Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. On today's episode, I am joined by BA's own Matt Eddy, and we are talking about Phenoms who have gone through the farm, through the big leagues, are done, and are up for baseball's ultimate honor. We're, we're taking a look at next year's, or I guess this this coming year's Hall of Fame ballot, specifically the first time on the ballot guys. So today, Matt Matt's a big New York guy, big fan of the Hall of Fame. I love frankly, arguing about the Hall of Fame, being just kind of a, a general complainer about the Hall of Fame. So we, we kind of look at the candidacies of of the first-time guys. We're talking, you know, Adrian Beltre, my favorite player growing up, Joe Maurer, one of Matt's favorite New York Mets, David Wright, Chase Utley, a lot of other first-time guys on this ballot who we touch on. We talk a little Jose Bautista, a little Cologne, a uh, little Phil Hughes for all you, you Yankees folks out there. And then at the end, we kind of talk about some of the holdovers, what we think about the hall in general, you know, what we think the threshold of a, a reliever getting into the hall might be. But just just a, generally a fun episode. Matt and I have kind of circled the wagons on talking about the Hall of Fame for a while. So I was really glad that he could join me on the show. Uh, episodes of Feen on the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoy this one, subscribe or get your podcast. Go check out past interviews, typically talking to former players, but we've had, you know, like Matt, we've had a couple people from uh, BA, the, the main main site on. Uh, next week or next episode, we are having our first broadcaster on, minor league broadcaster. Very, very excited about that. So, uh, And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcast. Also, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. Uh, wrapping up the minor league season, you know, just did a, a big refresh of the top 100. A lot of great stuff there. It is always a good time to be subscribed to Baseball America. And with that, Let's talk to Matt Eddy. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. All right, joining in for today's episode of from Phenom to the Farm, we are he's he's here to talk about a lot of phenoms. It is BA's own Matt Eddy. Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. Hi, Kyle. Glad to be here. I'm I'm glad you're here. I've been I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, we're we're here to talk about the Hall of Fame, uh, one of my favorite topics. Uh, before we do, I guess kind of. Let, let's do some some promotion. What's going on at BA? What can what can people expect over the over the next month or so? And and what do you have cooking up in the next issue? Yeah, we are deep into the uh, summer prospect season. You know that professional and amateur side. So we're doing our final in season updates to the organization top thirties. Uh, we're on the amateur side. We're pulling together the top Cape Cod League prospects, Team USA summer showcase. All that fun stuff with an eye toward the 2024 draft. Um, and it's also best tool season. We're getting those lists together for the major and minor leagues. Well, some of the guys that we are going to talk about today uh, featured heavily on, on those lists as they come into. So we're, we're let's jump right in. We're going to talk about the, the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, we just had the, the recent induction ceremony, recent inductions. Uh, but before we get into today's ballot and who we're going to be discussing, what is what is your relationship to the Hall of Fame? You are a native New Yorker, so you have you have actually been to Cooperstown many a time. And just your thoughts on the Hall of Fame and the you know what it holds for baseball fans. Yeah, uh, Cooperstown is is a magical place. I'm sure that's that's the cliche, but it's probably the thing I miss most about moving from New York State down here to North Carolina is the proximity to Cooperstown. You know. I grew up maybe 45 minute drive from there. So I've, I've been there I don't know, a dozen times, lucky enough to go see two inductions, um, 15 and 16. So that was the second, that was like the, uh, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Mike Piazza, Ken Griffey and others, uh, induction classes. So 
all the, all the those are two all the, bangers all the fantastic players we grew up watching yes <laughs> um so that was a lot of fun so it the, the hall of fame uh and the process in, in, in the apparatus around it has always really i've always been drawn to it i love it so with that your thoughts on the process we we obviously now have the new i can't remember the time, the, the committee that elected fred mcgriff we have that new kind of more recent players committee um we've had the veterans committee and then obviously the the baseball writers of america um getting getting their 10 votes which i i think we wanted to caveat that you are a member of the bbwa but will not be voting for a while yeah as of this year i am so yeah it'll be 10 years down the road before i cast a ballot so you've got to start you got to start thinking about those classes what the what those classes <laughs> could look like i was just thinking it's like the players who retire in 2027 i believe will be like eligible for the first time when i have a vote <laughs> That's uh, that's that's exciting because you you can kind of project who that might be, but with um, you know, as, as someone, I think we all do every year. We look at the ballot and we say who our ten would be. Um, it, your philosophy on on voting because there are there are writers who sometimes will not vote for anyone. Uh, there are guy you know writers who will not use all ten will only vote for a few. Have you been traditionally? Like if you were on this, if you were voting on this year's ballot, would you use all 10 or would you traditionally use all 10? No, I would do, I would probably average around five to six, just off the top of my head. I've never actually had to do one. So I don't know what precisely what I would do, but my estimate would would be about five. Okay. And what to you qualifies a, a hall of famer? Is there a way to put it as into like, into words because now it's interesting with with war and with jaws we have kind of a statistical threshold that most of these guys fall under but is there is there a way to quantify that and not just such a single a single stat like are there a few things that you think when you think hall of famer this is what i need from that player to get this vote yeah in general i I adhere to the the bill james standards that he laid out in the um whatever happened to the hall of fame that book which i like revisit every five to ten years i love that book uh the main criteria for me is was he the best player in his league at his position you know for an extended period of time like does did he define that position in the major leagues or in one of the major leagues um and another one of i think he calls this the keltner tests um was the player good enough that he could continue to play regularly after passing his prime? I know, I know you love that one, but the, these two, yeah, that, that one, <laughs> that one's where I take a little, take a small bit of issue with. Um, Cause that, I think that's, that's the, the first one I wholesale agree. The, the second one, I kind of, there, are, I think there are players who have been benefited. It is health is a skill. Health is valuable for players. And I, you know, there are guys who bolstered those hall of fame resumes and were able to get over the hump because they were able to stay, uh, stay healthy into their thirties. I always come back to Craig Biggio as a guy like that, who I know he had, he had some elite seasons. I think he had two, seven war seasons, but because he was able to play so long, was able to tack off that 3000 hit was able to be a first ballot hall of famer, which he, you know, probably not. Well, he, wasn't, he, has to he wasn't first. He wasn't was first he sec- ballot. Sorry, sorry to butt in. He was second or third. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he gets in and mm-hmm. then, you know, but was able to tack, you know, have those late seasons to increase that war total, increase that hit total. 
Um, it, it's so I go back and forth because I, as you know, you as you know, I would love for would have loved for Johan Santana to gotten in the hall. I'm still would would love to see that. The fact that he fell off after one ballot to me feels it's just criminal because he won two Cy Youngs. He should have won a third. If we had, to, I think if we had today's voting standards, he has three Cy Youngs. There's not a pitcher with three Cy Youngs who isn't in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was cooked at thirty in his early thirties. Uh, he was he was done. No, that that is a good point to raise about Santana. How his career would be viewed entirely differently if he'd won. What is it? Oh five, but Bartolo Colon won that one. Is that mm-hmm. the one? Yeah, who was on this year's ballot? <laughs> <laughs> and would that be three in a row for Santana? I think row? yeah, three three in a row. Um, best left-handed pitcher in baseball because really, when he came on, was when Randy Johnson started to tail off a little bit. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. He that that's when he went to I think the the Yankees and then the Giants to to finish it all out. But yeah, that was yeah. 05, Cologne went twenty one and eight with a three four ERA, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and a three seven five FIP and won the uh, and won the Cy Young. And you know, so I do like that point you raised about Santana. On the flip side, I would say that some short career players, uh, Sandy Koufax, Kirby Puckett, two prominent examples, if they're mm-hmm. strongly associated with a championship team, they do tend to get the benefit of the doubt. So by the writers, you know, mm-hmm. which is yeah, obviously the tougher group to, to please is the is the writers. So yeah. That, that's what that's what kills Santana. I think when Felix Hernandez comes up, I think that'll be a big point of discussion. It's pretty similar, elite for a stretch, cooked around thirty, no mm-hmm. pl- no playoff success. Um, but let's let's dive into to these first timers. We can talk about them from the BA angle as as prospects and who they were. Do you want to start? Do you, are there any notables that you want to start with who will just absolutely not? get hall of fame consideration or do you want to start at the top? Uh, I think we should start at the top please the fans. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to, let's start with the obvious. I would say there's one slam dunk absolutely getting in on this next ballot in, in Adrian Beltre. I thought you were going to say Cologne. <laughs> of, of course, of course. I mean, <laughs> the, he, he's a, con, he's kind of a content hall of famer for, for everything he, <laughs> for everything he gave to us. But uh, Beltre, obviously there's no, there's no argument against it. Um, and he was hyped from the get go. Uh, he was BA's number three prospect in 1998, got up at 19. Um, but in your, you know, when you think of Adrian Beltre, cause to me, he's got a really interesting career. Um, he had that, you know, he had the contract year explosion in LA. He gets the big deal in Seattle and in Seattle, he's good, not great. And then it's mm-hmm. really he's one where it wasn't just that he was able to hang on past what are traditionally his prime years. It's that he was able to turn a lot of those non-traditional prime years into some of the most productive years of his career. I know. In fact, you probably associate him strongest with the Rangers because yes. it's those teams did did the best postseason wise. And he was a key part of that and where he finished his career. Um, but I think his best single season probably was that Dodgers year, mm-hmm. um, second in MVP voting probably the highest four. I don't have that right off the top here, but, but yeah, I think when you, when you view like he, he's the perfect marriage of, of peak and career value. Cause he, he checks all the boxes mm-hmm. um, offensively and defensively at a position that historically has not been heavily represented in Cooperstown. So I think I agree with you that he's an easy first ballot yeah. selection. 
Yeah, he didn't get to Texas until he was 32. After yeah. turning 30, he turned in a 7.8 war season, a 5.6 war, 7.2, 6.2, 6.7. Uh, he turned in a 6.7 war season at 37. Um, <laughs> he's got benchmarks you need. He got the he got the 3,000 3, hit, and he was an elite defender. Um, there's not really a whole lot of not really a whole lot much else to say about him. Um, he is an example of a top prospect who was able to get through some rougher, younger years that we see. You were actually tweeting about, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Earlier is someone in kind of a similar place who is up really early, earliest struggles, still extremely, extremely young. Yeah. Yeah. It it is hard to, to fully grasp that he'd already batted, uh, you know, more than 800 times before turning 21 Which, in the major after leagues. After missing, uh, <laughs> after missing a minor league season too. If we're talking about wit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was talking oh, about Belcher, Belcher yeah. there. But that's, yeah, that's insane. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. If Beltre, so Beltre's in. I mean, I, I don't think there's any. He'll he'll definitely get in. Do yes. there there are two others on the. I mean, I actually, I'll, I'll kind of leave it to you. How many of the first-timers do you think eventually get in? Eventually get in. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Because Beltre is in. Uh, let's see. I think ultimately, do you want me to spoil it and just pick the names? Yeah. Okay. Uh, event- ultimately, I see Chase Utley and Joe Maurer getting in as well. I see that from as this well. First-time group. And I believe those are the only ones I would say that for, for this group. Yeah. So let's let's talk those two, and then let's talk some of the other first timers. Um, particularly, your what Joe Maurer is to me, I think David Wright is to you. Uh, yeah. and, and then going in this class, so Maurer obviously goes one one in o one, uh, goes one one over Mark Pryor. So not actually the top prospect in his draft, uh, but was BA's number one prospect in back to back seasons. Delivered on that, won an MVP, won multiple batting titles as a catcher. Where I always, and it, you know, health not knocked him down. Uh, once the the move to first base happened, I think he only had one season over three war. Where I come back to this with Joe Maurer, because I would like to see him be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It would just obviously mean a lot. He was, he was the last player that I was able to look up to from an age perspective. Now, most everyone playing is my contemporary or younger. Um, but with Maurer, and I would like your take on this, I, I'm i like, if he is not a Hall of Fame catcher, then what is a Hall of Fame catcher? And if that's the case, mm-hmm. why not? Why wouldn't he be a first ballot? Uh, as to the first question, yes. I believe he was the standard bearer at the position in the American League, no question. I think... Um, in the National League, he, he went up against Yadier Molina and Buster Posey at the various points of their careers. I think all three are Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Kind of defined the position, kind of defined the position for the first 20 years of the 21st century. So, and, and you know, and Maurer, his peak value is incredible because he did things that literally no catcher has ever done. And that's easy to overlook now because we remember the late career Maurer, like seven years or mm-hmm. so, first baseman. But at his peak, I don't know, I Three batting titles, correct? An MVP, mm-hmm. like things that are the, the batting titles have never been done. The MVP is rarely done by a catcher, especially um, today. They don't seem to to rack up the plate appearance totals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree on the first point. And as to the second, 
don't know. I, I think I think as people reflect more on the decision, they will see the light that he was the a Hall of Fame talent. <laughs> I hope so. And I, I've told you this, but I am more big hall guy. I see, I look upon NBA all-star or NBA hall of fame weekend with envy. Now the NBA hall of fame is actually the basketball hall of fame. So it incorporates mm. international stuff and like Yao Ming got in and, and things like that. But I always see that weekend is this big celebration of these stars that, that people got to watch growing up and there's never, you know, there's never a single, you know, just a David Ortiz going in or something like that. Um, baseball keeps, mm-hmm. keeps it a little, a little tighter. I would like to see more I, for me, bigger hall of fame classes celebrating guys, especially the guys who had the the shorter peaks, uh, which, you know, I think we'll get into with, with Dave, right? The guy who, the guys where health did not, did not pan out, but were still able to put up, elite status in some form or another with baseball hall of fame. I, I think the conversation absolutely should be the, the stat sheet, what they did on the field, like 98% of it. I do think there is just some merit that Joe Maurer was able to be on the cover of MLB, the show and have head and shoulders commercials as a guy playing for the Minnesota twins. <laughs> I think that's a, I that's think true. that's a big deal. I think him being able to, cause no one on the twins for I mean, this might just be me as scorned twins fan. No one on the twins was famous ever when I was Kirby Puckett was very, was very famous. Kirby Puckett was like on talk shows, but mm-hmm. between Kirby Puckett yep. and Joe Maurer getting on the cover of MLB, the show, it was a, it was a dark hole. That's not where you went to be a, yeah. a famous player. And Maurer was able to, to transcend that. And I, I think in some form or fashion, that stuff is, I don't, I don't know if it should be relevant, but I think it's interesting. I think it's part of the conversation with David Wright too, because David Wright was a, a standard bearer for baseball, the captain America, the world baseball classic stuff. And like world baseball classic is interesting. Like, would you factor international competition at all into, you know, into someone's case, especially someone on the fringe? I've never thought about that specifically. I, I would definitely give a heavy weight to postseason. Um, I never actually thought of like preseason mm-hmm. WBC, but that's interesting. But I do, I, I do agree with your point that he did kind of uh, encapsulate the face of baseball at his peak. I think he was, you know, about 75% of the way toward a Scott Rowland career. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's it's about 75% the size of Scott Rowland and he has <laughs> hit about 75% the career. <laughs> um, no, but David Wright was phenomenal. He's somewhat forgotten how great he was. Mm-hmm. I think he made, seven or eight all-star teams mm-hmm. like in his first eight seasons it's, it's it's ridiculous he was regarded as the best third baseman in the league when he played but um spinal stenosis a chronic back injury that really severely limited him late in his career uh he also took a nasty beaning from matt kane in 2010 mm-hmm. which took him that. a long time to recover from yeah so it was you know mauer had the concussion right had the, the beaning and later the back injury really derailed what, in my opinion, was going to be a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, so that's where that's where we get to. So right through his age 31 season, had had accumulated a majority of the war that he would end up with in his career. Like he, he was yeah. like over 48 war through his age 31 season. He was still, he was playing well, still playing at mm-hmm. a high level. With guys like that, like with Wright, how much more do you, cause it, it took Roland a while to get in and Roland had a very long career. 
if he had mm-hmm. gotten so seven all-star games, two gold gloves, two silver sluggers, if he mixed in, is there anything he could have done in that time? Like if he had mixed in an MVP or if the Mets had won a world series and he's world series MVP, is there anything that can yeah. get a position player in at 31? Yeah, I think those are the things. I believe he narrowly lost the 07. Was he third in balloting that year? I, he was. He would have won from. He would have been first on my ballot. I believe yeah, it was oh, 07. Oh, seven. It was. He was fourth. Fourth and fourth. fourth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and yes, and <laughs> he he is depending on how you look at it. Unfor- unfortunately, associated with some Mets teams that did very poorly. <laughs> yeah. The 06 team lost to the eighty three win Cardinals, probably the worst World Series champion ever. Um, and then the 07 and 08 teams. Uh, died in september <laughs> yes if he could have was it what mets team lost to the royals in the world series was that 2015 or 2016 15 15 so he that's when he only played 38 games in 2015 if right. he any the 28 game he had a ops plus of 126 in those 38 games if he could have stayed healthy for that and been a big presence for that for that the entirety of that team it, it's just interesting so I'm in the position where I would love to reward someone with like David Wright's really fringe. Um, but I just feel it's, it's good for baseball to celebrate guys like that for a weekend. Um, but it's that it's one where it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I would say that the hall of fame electorate now is as good as it's ever been. You know, the, the 10 year rule, uh, where writers have to have covered the game within the past 10 years is a great qualifying standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're averaging two and a half electees per, per year for the past decade, which is about right. Because if you look at, you don't want, Cooperstown needs one or two electees per year. And we've steadily been seeing that, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's great for Cooperstown. It's great for the Hall. Um, I think more than three is probably too many for an induction weekend. But I think I think we're really in a sweet spot right now for Hall of Fame inductions. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's talk about the third guy who probably gets in. Chase Utley is the most interesting case of these to me. What, like, what do you think of when you think of when you think of Chase Utley? I mean, now I just think of asses in the jackpot. Like that's that's I think, I think what everyone should now associate with with Chase Utley is Terry Collins and <laughs> Terry Collins's blow up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, uh, the 0809 pennant winners, um, the slide in the 2015 postseason, yep, and uh, pretty good longevity. He played until he was 39 at a position not known for longevity. Mm-hmm. Those would be the three things, yeah. BA's yeah. number 81 prospect in 2003. So, of these guys we've talked yep. about, even David Wright the most unlikely hall of famer you don't you don't rank a guy 81st if you think like he's got the hall of fame ceiling and typically when a guy comes up as a second baseman you're not mm-hmm. you're not thinking hall of who you know just maybe him and robinson cano minus some some stuff with robinson cano would be your your two hall of fame second baseman of the past 20 years yeah, hit those two, Pedroia, Altuve. Those that's the that's the field that's the field, I think. Pedroia, um, I was actually thinking about him the other day. Of that's another one where longevity I mean when he was done, he was done. Mm-hmm. But when he was good, he was real, real good. 
mm-hmm. and, the, and the best at his spot. It, yeah. So with Utley, yeah, as a prospect, I don't know that the Phillies knew what to do with him because I know they, they they experimented at third base with him. I think he spent like two or maybe three seasons in AAA. So I don't think even the Phillies were convinced they had a future um, impact regular, let, let alone a Hall of Famer. And that 2000 draft is generally regarded as one of the worst ever, especially in the first round. Mm-hmm. And yet, <laughs> Utley, taking that on 20th or whatever he was, is has a case. Adrian Gonzalez taken first as a fringe case. But also two impact this, players. Yeah, also in this um in this class. Like yeah, I, I think Utley gets in because again, if if Utley doesn't get in, I think it's a, a similar question to Maurer. Like if he's not in, what is a Hall of Fame second baseman now? Exactly. So I, I like that. So some of the other, the fringe guys, um, I mean, Matt Holiday, I, I would think he's, he's now, you would say the, the least likely holiday to get into the hall of fame. If you were just picking, if you were picking <laughs> odds, would you pick Jackson or would you pick Matt or the, isn't the younger brother is, uh, is a top prospect too. Is he not? I like the way you frame that. I think I would still probably pick Matt just because we don't know yet about the other two, but that is that is funny. Yeah, he Matt Holiday is just you think of him as the the professional hitter. Um best player on a World Series team with uh that, that Rockies team brought the Rockies of all teams to the World Series. Matt Holiday is one where the I don't want to say the fame but just the the steady presence is probably a little more uh, a little more adds a little more to his case than than the exact numbers i think career wise i don't really think he's there anywhere but just a just a really good player no i agree and i think he's one of the like for what war has given other players it's taken away from that holiday because yes. he was a, a poor defensive player yeah and i think that's that's going to impact his jaws standing quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his jaws standing is 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 thirty nine point four is what he finished with. A war over a seven year peak, just thirty four point three. Only finished with with yep. with three hundred and sixteen career home runs. Did have a career OPS plus of one thirty two. Um, mm-hmm. Adrian Gonzalez basically right behind him in jaws. Interest for for him. I mean, he was like you said, in, in a bad draft, the, the first overall pick and kind of a, a big time afterthought first overall pick mm-hmm. traded, traded before he made his debut. And he was interesting because his peak was excellent. He mashed. And then that was over very quickly too. Yep. I agree. Yeah, he was perhaps one of the best first basemen through his twenties. And then, yeah. And then it was kind of journeyman status. Yeah. Um, Jose Bautista would be the ultimate, Hey, let's just reward a guy for five super sick years because he's on this. I can't believe it's been five years since he was done playing. Yeah. One of the more unusual careers you will see. Cause that 50 home run season wasn't really like 29 years old yeah, at that time. And just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Which was like, I don't think he had 54 career home runs until that point. It's close. <laughs> and and he, then he became yeah league leader in home runs two years in a row, 29 and 30. Yeah, just never saw that one coming. No, and as someone who will also be remembered for taking that Rignetto door punch to the cheek 
uh, he, he got out of baseball with an iconic moment. Um, any of these other first time guys that you have, that you have interest in when I look at the list, when I actually think of the prospect, I don't want to say the most hyped because you would, you would say that Maurer being BA's number one overall prospect was the, the twice in a row would be the most hyped, but just someone remember hearing about because of the, because of the chatter that comes with the Yankees prospects is Phil Hughes. Phil Hughes was, it was like it was with, it happened with him. It happened with Jabba Chamberlain. It's when the Yankees, when he, the Yankees have that next prized right-hander coming up, that's all there's going to, all people are going to talk about. And what I think, when I think of Phil Hughes, I think of that incredible season he turned in for the twins. When I, he set the, yep. uh, he set, I, I think that's still the single season record for strikeout to walk ratio or not, uh, or maybe uh, base, oh, just walks per nine, I think. And this is, and this is the organization that employed Brad Radke. I mean, that's yes. saying something. Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> Carlos Silva. I mean, this is saying something. <laughs> man, Radke and Silva. That those are some names. That's that's an ultimate. Hey, remember some guys. I, Radke was Radke was the first pitcher I loved as a child. Because the other teams get flamethrowers. Twins fans get Brad Radke in that changeup. Just throwing strikes, throwing a changeup. That's how it's how it's supposed to be done, kids. <laughs> well, Scott Erickson for me. Oh, I remember Scott Erickson. Uh, does anyone else jump out at this in this list for you? No, Phil Hughes is a good one. He he was on at least one cover of BA and the Prospect Handbook in '08, um, I want to say. So yeah, he's he definitely had a, a a shining moment as a prospect and young major leaguer, and then. With the twins, as you know, he was mm-hmm. pretty good, and he's also a great Twitter follow. Very, he is. <laughs> a ton of a ton of humility and very well grounded follow. Yes, like he and Brandon McCarthy making up that. Uh, him, Brandon McCarthy, Brett Anderson making up the the rotation of of great former pitchers to follow on Twitter. Um, James Shields, an interesting one. He is the guy who was. Um, I'll get the round wrong, but it was like nineteenth or 29th round, something crazy out of junior college. And he's the one guy you can always point to to counter the idea that a right-handed starter needs a dominant fastball and breaking pitch to be a frontline starter. Wasn't the case with Shields. Mm-hmm. His, his standout attributes were changeup, an 80 changeup, and he had pinpoint command. Interesting, too, will likely be a guy who he ends his career with 30 war, which is a, above average, a great major league career, and will almost certainly end being traded for more war than he produced with that, uh, with the Tatis trade. Um, and I, I don't know what Will Myers and has ended up being, but, um, you know, involved in two pretty notable trades, but, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of those helping, helping pitch the Royals, um, to a world series. But yeah, James, James Shields is interesting. Victor Martinez, another really hyped prospect that would, I guess it was those ti- those Tigers teams. When you think of it, the Tigers having Miggy and Victor Martinez, and then the rotation of uh, Verlander and Scherzer, uh, that's, that's that's what I think of him as. And yeah, and Prince Fielder in the lineup one of those yeah. years or two of those years maybe. And then the back of that Tigers rotation was excellent. They had David Price briefly. They had Doug Fister. They had yeah. Those those were some star star studded Tigers teams. The 
made a run most years. Doug Fister also on this ballot. This the fun thing about the Hall of Fame ballot too is seeing the guys like the random relievers who get on. This is a we've got Brad Ziegler, Ryan Madsen, Jim Johnson, and Santiago Casilla. Jim Johnson led the AL in saves one year, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. That's and uh, Brandon 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 Morrow's on the ballot. Holy yeah. Cow. Um, yeah, Fister certainly had some big years. Uh, Jose Reyes has uh, had some big, won a batting title and had some other stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Denard Span, fantastic leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. Hey, he he uh, was one who took a while to come around. That was a high school hitter mm-hmm. that the Twins had to have patience with, and it it paid off. And then he that, he turned that into a pretty long big league career. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I always like I always liked his style of play. I like him. Yeah. So I think with the first timers, I think, yeah, it's Beltray, Maurer, Utley, they're in. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Wright gets in in 15 years or something. One of those, some veterans committee or the, the modern era players committee, something like that. I, it, it wouldn't shock me. I think the weird thing with the Hall of Fame is... And I, I know, I don't think you subscribe to this, but it's like, if such and such is in, why shouldn't this guy be in? Because we have, you know, lower, we have players that would make for a lower bar of entry of, well, if this guy's a Hall of Famer, why isn't this guy a Hall of Famer? And I wonder if that would will get explored more in, say, 10, 15 years. David Wright's off the ballot, but he's up for one of these different committees, and, and who knows how voting will change. But people will look at him and remember him and say, well, why is, you know, why is Harold Baines in here? And why is David Wright not in here? Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and as I sort these by Ops Plus on, on Baseball Reference, he is uh, he's behind Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Gary Sheffield and Todd Helton. He's tied with Todd Helton. So, yeah, I mean, he's behind some some pretty heavy hitters all time on yeah. this list. So he's his production is way up there. I think that's the other thing is you have to kind of adjust for the Shea factor, City Field factor with him. Like, I think I shared with you that um, no Met has ever won the MVP. Um, I believe they are the only franchise except for the 90s expansion franchises to never have an MVP. Which so. that is stunning to me. Mm-hmm. Stunning. Because you would think, you know, Daryl Strawberry, Piazza, David Wright. Beltron. Beltron, yep. yeah. So Beltron is a good segue because we've got we've got a little bit of time left looking at looking at the holdovers. Um, Mm -hmm. Beltron is one that I was, he only got, he got 46% last year and I'll kick to you. For me, he's a slam dunk hall of famer. Oh yeah. As a player. Yes, absolutely. One of the standards for center field. I think, I think what we're seeing is, um, uh, the penalty for the 2017 Astros is what we're seeing Mm -hmm. here. And I think, I think that'll clear up in a year or two and he will be inducted. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. 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 Cause as a player, excellent. I always think too of that, that postseason with the Astros was unreal. Just a lot of fun. A lot of yeah. fun. Yes. And he, you know, later in his career, he latched on with some successful teams and he was able to build that postseason resume. He's got a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else of the holdovers do you see? I, we should probably, caveat and just the the PED guys it it's just hard it's hard to say who's going to get in who's not going to mm-hmm. get in that that's tough i mean Arod and Manny were th- two of the best players i'll ever see 
mm-hmm. um, you know, they're good, but it, you know, who knows? And a rod especially has different, there's so many different nuances with that guy. Now just the corniest person like that is <laughs> nothing about what he did on the field. What you know, that he's just a very corny individual, <laughs> but um, well, I, com- I completely agree with you. Cause watching these guys play in the nineties and two thousands, like you knew you, the, you knew they were for real. Some of the best players ever play. Um, mm-hmm. But setting aside the special cases, um, I think Beltron makes it. Todd Helton's going to make it. Mm-hmm. That might be it on holdovers. I, I have a soft spot for Andy Pettit. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Billy Wagner will make it as Billy well. Billy Wagner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think Billy Wagner will get in. I, I overlooked him. Um, I, I would kind of like to see Pettit's case considered, um, but... He does. He doesn't have the dominating credentials that a lot of these other pitchers have. Him and him and uh, Johan are kind of opposites. Mm-hmm. And he he's one where I see him get in on the bat. Where I see Pettit continue to get the votes. I'm like, we couldn't get Johan to five percent. But with Pettit too, the I I I do think the the prestige and popularity of the Yankees helps. But also, he did so much in the postseason. Yes. The between the Yankees and between the Astros, he's got another yes. half career pitch in the postseason and 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 that's important um can i preach to you the gospel of bobby abreu was a lot better than we all remember <laughs> uh, i i've heard it all before but you, you you may go ahead i just i think i think one because a lot of those phillies teams that bobby abreu was on were not good so he he was in kind of this this dead era for the phillies but bobby abreu stole 400 bases he just just sniffed his way over 60 career war. He could hit for power. He could run. His OPS plus was 128, so he's not like he's not crazy. But like Bobby Abreu was a very, very good player who played for mm-hmm. a very, very long time, played for 18 years. And I, I think there's some value in that. I don't I don't know if he that's another one where he probably let's see, it's his fifth year on the ballot, or he's gone and you know, he's sitting at 15%. He's probably not in on this, but that's another one where in 15, 20 years, we take a look and it's, hey, this guy was pretty good, mm-hmm. was was up there with his contemporaries, uh, was was our top home run derby uh, single, single round guy until Josh Hamilton came around. Not sure that <laughs> counts for anything, but um, yeah, I mean, I... You know, that's he's one of the ones where I that's where me as big hall guy is saying, I would like to see Bobby Abreu celebrated one one weekend. Like you said, Cooperstown needs one to three guys every year, maybe on an extremely slim ballot year. We have like a slim ballot year ballot where it's like (laughs) we've got these like a a corral of these holdovers. And it's like, all right, let's pick one of these guys out (laughs) celebrating this guy. That's that's the thing. I don't want any more years where it's just one guy. And nothing on David Ortiz, but that guy is David Ortiz, who was just a you know a DH, a very popular DH with postseason heroics. Like that's where we could say let's celebrate a Bobby Abreu or a an Andy Pettit or someone like that. Yeah, you know, the thing the thing with Abreu is it's um, what you're saying is true, and I think at his peak he was a five to a player, like literally. Um, the thing that stands out to me is two All Star teams and no real high MVP finishes. Like, so people right or wrong at the time did not 
regard him as one of the top players in baseball or even in the national league, I should say. Yeah. To me that, that that's a mark against in my book. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, career three ninety five OBP. Yeah. Points points at Jonah Hill. He gets on base. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's merit to that. Uh yeah, yeah everyone else are the holdovers. I mean, twins legend Tory Hunter, he's not getting in. Um, just generally exciting guy in the field. Rollins would have been an interesting one. It's kind of I, I don't think and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think advanced metrics held hold Jimmy Rollins as high as as he was perhaps held. I mean, he did end up with 47, 47.6 career war. He, he won that MVP. He was on a title team. Yep. Um, generally exciting, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, I, I don't think, I don't think he gets in in the traditional sense. No, I don't think so either. Unless yeah, his ops plus is actually below average. It was below a hundred, including, mm-hmm. Through his through age thirty, it's it's ninety eight. Let's see, let's see age through age twenty nine, it's uh ninety nine. So yeah, he never had even had like a dominant um, peak by offense anyway. Man, you know who's got a, a one seventy eight ops plus is K Rod. K Rod batted <laughs> twice and got one hit. I want to know what scenario had him batting twice. I know that is fascinating. Yeah. But the retro sheet that look at that. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's getting in where, where do you think, uh, relievers in general, I kind of want to leave you with this, uh, since we're, we're bumping up on time. Like we were talking about Wagner getting in Revere's in, uh, Hoffman's in, but it's like with the save being, I guess a little devalued, just not, we don't, we don't look at it quite the same way where, you know, where do you see and, and what for you is the standard for a hall of fame reliever? that's a tough one i i always did uh, i always like to defer this question like i i I understand rivera is in because he he did things that haven't been done but Mm -hmm. but every other reliever who comes on the ballot i want to i feel like saying let's give this some time (laughs) let's let's wait on this because i just don't know what to make of relievers because they pitch so infrequently even compared to the standards of past hall of fame relievers where i think we're headed is that I think Henley Jansen gets in. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Kimbrell has the peak. If he can hang on, I think he's going to have a fairly compelling case. I think he's staring at some benchmarks. That are, I don't have that in front of me, but I think he's. I think he's got some stuff coming up that if he can hit it, it looks really good. I believe he can pass 400 this year if he has not 400 saves. I, I think that is correct. And I think 400 gets a, a pitcher into the top 10 territory on the all-time list. So. That's impressive. Um, I don't know. Do you have a strong opinion on relievers on the hall? I've. It's kind of. I think they need to hit those benchmarks. Relievers are one area where I would say you need to have the the length because of the pitch and infre- the the infrequency in which they pitch. I think if you're a reliever, you need to have done it at a very high level for almost 15 years. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's at least reasonable to reasonable to ask. I think that 400 save benchmark getting in that top 10, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then we have to have we have to have felt it to a certain stance of the dominance. Like, is this guy closing for his respective league in the all star team? Yeah. Multiple years. Because I, I think that's something with value. Like, remember the, the classic Gagne, 
Um, I think it was he gave it a hit up to Hank Blaylock in that All Star game, but it was like, who's that? Who's that guy? Who's the guy in the league? And kind of like that standard you talked about earlier. Were you the best player in in your league? If you're the if you're the lockdown reliever in your league for a, a stretch of time, you know because we've we've seen too so many of these guys have been a flash in the pan one incredible year. Uh, you know, Gagne probably the 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 peak of that, but. Yeah, I, I would, I, I, I still, I like the idea of, of having relievers in the Hall of Fame of, mm-hmm. you know, rewarding the two best guys for every decade, I think makes sense. I think that's right. Because, you know, there, there is a, there is a skill to it. Uh, you know, it's not just failed starter and it's not just, you have to have incredible stuff to close down games. There's some, there's just some other, there's a different component to that. And the, the best guys have, have done it for a long time. Um, yeah. So with that, I think, so I think that on, on next year's ballot then in total from guys we've said, so the Helton Wagner, did you, do you think Andrew Jones is getting in? Not this year. Yeah. He's tough. I think he gets in eventually. I think, I think the same committee that voted in Fred McGriff will put him in. Cause I think there's a lot of, yes. I know there's a lot of support among, especially his former teammates to put him in. Yeah, I agree. Bel- Beltron gets in and then the, the three first timers and, and Maurer, Utley and Beltre. And then probably a couple of these, couple of these character concern guys get in so you could, you could say on this ballot there's probably 10 future hall of famers which is a pretty hmm. strong year yeah when you put it that way so i'm looking forward to it i am going to for for me it's it's the mauer year i really i would love for him to get in um i you know i know that first ballot has a sort of you know has a certain connotation some some guys won't vote for a guy on the first ballot or unless they're some sort of slam dunk but um, Mauer, I would love to get in, but, uh, any, any parting thoughts on this year's, this year's hall of fame ballot? No, I think we summarized, hit the highs, hit the lows. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this was enjoyable. I could stare at this, this baseball reference screen all day, but, uh, tell the folks again, uh, where, where they can follow you, where they can check out what's coming up at BA, what they have to be looking forward to. Yeah. Um, Summer prospect season rolls on. Uh, best tools, top rankings, all the analysis you could you could shake a stick at. Um, you could find me on Twitter, or the site formerly known as Twitter, at um, Matt Eddie B A E D D Y, and uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining, Matt. I really appreciate it. You are welcome, Kyle. It was fun. And that's it for today's episode with Matt Eddie. Big thanks to Matt for stopping by and talking out the Hall of Fame with me. We're something we're going to have to do again. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and review. If you haven't, go check out past interviews. And we will see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>